Have the Conversation Podcast. Have the Conversation Podcast. Have the Conversation Podcast. The Have the Conversation Podcast. Have the Conversation Podcast. Real people, real conversations. I am pumped to be part of Have the Conversation. This week, it's all about fun here at HTC, and joining in on the conversation are Lisa and Libby, the co-founders of Blue Wave Wellbeing and experts in the science of play. From physical and mental exhaustion that commenced in their own journeys to rediscovering childlike wonder, Lisa and Libby are dedicated to helping leaders develop a playful mindset in order to reduce stress and burnout, build resilience, and equip them with the tools for better well-being through the science of play. With a combined 20-plus years of experience leading human resources and corporate communication teams, the ladies had helped organizations triple in revenue and impact. And man, was that an impact felt when we spoke to them. After the episode, head on over to htcpod.com to get connected with the ladies and past guests. And while you're there, click around. Our bookshelf is stacked with great reads and author interviews. We have discounts for some of our favorite products like Moonwalker CBD, Chili Sleep, and so much more. And of course, don't forget to subscribe when you're there so you never miss a conversation. But before we jump into the episode, Leanne's got a few more reasons why we think Chili Sleep is so great. When it's this cold outside, I know the thought of having a chili pad might not be that appealing. But did you know the chili pad is capable of maintaining a temperature of 55 degrees all the way up to over 100 degrees? No matter what temperature you prefer to sleep at, Chili Sleep products can help you achieve the best sleep you've ever had. Their products are scientifically backed, and firsthand I can tell you I've had one for about two years now, and sleeping when I'm traveling or not at home is actually a legit struggle because I'm totally spoiled. I can't unknow how great it feels to keep my bed at a perfect 70 degrees all night, and I'll never go back. Go browse their products at www.chilisleep.com, that's C-H-I-L-I-S-L-E-E-P.com, and use the code HAVETHECOMBO for a discount at checkout. That's HAVETHECOMBO, all one word, for a special discount on your Chili Sleep products. Sweet dreams! I do want to kind of start out really quick, though, and just hear how you two came together. Ooh, well, I'll take this one. So it was actually back in uh, 2018 at that, like, the fall end. So I, um, I was running a nonprofit. I still run a nonprofit, but I was running a nonprofit at the time. And Libby's name continued to be shown up in my life. People would be like, you need to meet with this person. And I would get this person's card. It's so interesting how it all came. I was very burnt out and exhausted in my corporate job at the time. So people would give me this girl's card and I'd be like, okay, I'll connect with this girl. And like, I didn't realize over time that the Libby was the same Libby because I was so burnt out and exhausted. I didn't realize that all these people were telling me to meet with the exact same person. And then I was doing a photo shoot for my nonprofit and Libby was actually supposed to come again, did not put the, just the connection together that it was the same Libby. Like, wow, so many Libby's out there. I, and it, like, it's so funny. Cause like, didn't even like phase me. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm too tired for all of this. Anyway. So long story short, uh, we connected, uh, and we had, we just chatted, um, on the phone to start. And from there we just like created this beautiful friendship. And then in January, 2019, I left my corporate job. Um, and so around that time and Libby and I met for coffee and like had a full conversation from there, we started a YouTube channel. And then since then we've like really pivoted, I would say, and evolved as a company, um, and as a, as friends. So kind of by mistake, totally. Really? We just had similar passions to bring awareness to mental health and 
um, to teach the things that we do, which I'm, I'm sure we'll get into. And so the YouTube channel then turned into um, Lisa, I don't, I think you got it. You're like, there's this business pitch coming up. Like, do you want to submit us for it? And we had no concept paper, <laughs> no business, like executive summary or anything like that. So we made this idea for what aspirationally we would love to build. And we ended up getting third place and we submitted for another one and we got awesome. first place purely off of an idea. So we were like, oh okay, well, we have money now. So we actually have to do something. <laughs> <laughs> Time to get to work. <laughs> That's so amazing. So talk to me a little bit about Blue Wave Wellbeing. Like how did the name come to be? Like all of it. I just want to know everything. Well, that's kind of where I think this whole idea of like submitting ourselves for the business pitches, like the original idea was to bring, oh gosh, what was our tagline? It was, um, we were bringing advocacy, education and support into the community as it related to mental health. And so we wanted to share our own stories um, of working through our mental illnesses to just give people hope. And so that's why the YouTube channel started was to get people real, uh, like free resources. And so we called that, Oh, infinite love. And so that's what we used in these business pitches. And we realized that once we started talking to potential clients, the name didn't really resonate because they're like, Oh, what does this mean? It doesn't sound too professional. It wasn't meant to be professional. It was just meant to be a creative name. And so, um, with some of the partial winnings, we ended up hiring a business consultant who was conceptualizing with us, like how to create these business models, what did we stand for? And so we had this massive document with words that resonated with us, words that didn't use mental health, but, you know, in some way symbolized mental health in some way. And um, we wanted to use the concept of water and how water represents our emotions and how, you know, sometimes the storminess of the waves can represent like things in our life that we feel to be prog problematic or negative or like massive, you know, stressful situations. But then all of a sudden the wave can just like leave and level out and we have this calmness in our life. And that's how we kind of, we use water as a representative of our emotions a, a lot. And I don't even know. I had done all this research on what different colors represent and also like literally I went down a rabbit hole. The whole like she did the whole shebang. Let's just I'm like that super way. spiritual. I looked up like Greek goddesses that represent like emotions and all and of that. And then I'd be like, oh, I like this one. And she'd be like, well, what's the representation? Let me look it up. And I'm over here like, let's make a decision. But no, it was awesome. Uh, yeah. So then one day we put the words together, blue wave, and we wanted it to be spelled differently because yeah i don't know just create for creative yeah. reasons and so that's kind of where the name came from and we like sat on it for i don't know a couple of days or weeks and our business coach was like by friday you're gonna have decided <laughs> yes or no so he like, gave us this deadline and so we went with it and, and so libby's like rocking in her chair <laughs> and i'm like yes let's check this off <laughs> Part of being a Libra is that it's like sometimes making decisions and sticking with it is really tough for us. Yeah, <laughs> so. I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> I have to share really quick before you go any further, Libby. Uh, I think that it's important for you guys to know, like when we started out, we weren't just, a, when we started out, it was a YouTube channel. But then when we submitted all of these things, we were not doing what we're doing. We literally said we wanted to buy an RV yeah. and travel the state of Michigan and help people with We did the health. same thing. We literally <laughs> have done the same really? thing. What is up with like, RV is yes. so in right now. <laughs> I know. So like, this is the idea that we like came up with and everything. So it's just so funny how 
we are where we're at today and we love it. It's the most beautiful thing, but it's so interesting how like ideas evolve to get to yes. where you're at and stuff. Totally. So. Well, what are y'all's individual stories of, uh, you've talked a lot on your YouTube channel about being exhausted and being burnt out and, and needing this fun factor. So tell me about that. Yeah. So I guess I'll, I'll start with just sharing like a little bit about my story. So I worked in corporate for eight years, uh, loved it, loved it very much, but there was something that was missing. Um, and in my last year, I think, I think I had been burning myself out for a while, but it wasn't until probably the end of 2018 where it was very, um, predominant. I was just kind of lashing out at people. I just wasn't myself. Um, I wasn't happy Lisa and that really, I didn't really realize it in the beginning. And then um, I went to work on an event and it was my biggest event of the year. And I was not like I was sleeping in between events. Wow. Like I just couldn't like get my body just like kind of had shut down. And when I got home from it, I found myself on bed rest for a whole week. I went to work and I was completely white and someone was like, you need to go home. And of course, like devastation. I was like, oh, people finally are realizing that I don't feel good, you know, because we try to hold it up and we try to be strong and act like everything's okay, that I'm the strong one. And so having to go home, but then also not being able to leave my house for a week because I physically couldn't get out of bed. Really? I, I had hit that point where it is just, I could, every time I'd get up, I'd be like, I need to go lay back down. So I'd hit that point where no longer was it mentally exhausting. My body had physically become exhausted too. So I was hitting both ends. And that's when I realized like there needs to be a change in my life. And I wasn't putting the tools into place either. If I mean, completely transparent, I didn't know that you didn't have to meditate for not 90 minutes or 60 minutes. Like you could just do these short like things. Like I had all these like limiting beliefs and no one was teaching me. I didn't know the tools. And so I literally everything that Libby and I do and teach, we practice. And so, um, so that's like the thing is, is I started to invest in myself. And then I wanted to help people that I know struggled like me and that acted like everything was okay when really it wasn't okay. Um, and now I feel like now that I have a higher purpose and understand all of these tools, um, you can even see it with how I it interact with people. Mm-hmm. Um, I just apologize to people for that year in my life. A lot of like, Aww. wow, I really wasn't a, like, I wasn't a good person. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I was, but I wasn't, you know, like you just weren't yourself and you don't realize it till you're out of it. So mm-hmm. at least that's mine. Um, Libby, if you want to share yours. Yeah, and I have I, similar. So I was in corporate HR for about 10 years for high growth technology startups and bought into the work hard, play hard mentality and the grind and the hustle. And it's so funny because I was HR. So, you know, part of the conversations we were having is like, how can we get our employees to be more productive? But it was by exhausting them more versus thinking about, um, you know, how do we make them work smarter, not harder? Like I, I felt like we were having the wrong conversation. And so um, long story short, the reason I started to work on myself was because of my physical health. So I was labeled with Hashimoto's leaky gut, IBS, like whatever doctor I went to, there was a different name for it. I had psoriasis whenever I'd get stressed, my entire body would break out into rashes. Um, and so I, I've always been somebody that wanted to approach health like naturally and holistically, but I had never had anything like seriously happen where I had to get serious about researching how am I going to do this. So I started uh, learning about the mind-body connection um, through this journey. So I had started seeing a naturopath. So I was taking all of these supplements, changed my diet, changed my workout routines. And that was kind of our focus. 
Well, then I realized in understanding the mind-body connection, I wasn't really focusing on my mental and emotional health. And so once I started, um, like it really just started with basic mindfulness practices, like practicing gratitude, uh, taking a couple of moments just to do breathing exercises. And I started with headspace, honestly, in like my meditation practices and I'd do it for a few days and then I'd give it up and then I'd do it a few days. And like, after doing that a few times, I was like, I actually feel better when I'm taking the time to be intentional about caring for my mental and emotional health. And when I started to get into more of a routine, like my physical health drastically changed. And so on that journey, it became also spiritual as I got further and deeper into this. And so then I ended up quitting my corporate job and took off about nine months to travel around the world. And during that time was kind of like a soul searching of what do I, what do I want to do with my life? Like I'm at the prime of my career. I can go back to corporate if I want, but I, through this felt like I was getting all of these opportunities to share my story unintentionally. And so in doing that, so many women would say, I relate to this. This is me. I didn't realize that like brain fog is a symptom of like depression and anxiety. I would have even, I would have never said I had anxiety. And now that I understand what it is, I absolutely had anxiety. I did experience bouts of depression and there was like this stigma around it that I never wanted to admit that I had this going on until I went to therapy. And so as part of that, my journey has just become wanting to share with people the tools and the techniques to empower themselves to, to take the changes that are necessary in order to help them thrive. And so I started off just kind of doing some consulting within organizations and bringing mindfulness programs into the workplace. And then that transitioned to getting speaking opportunities. And that's when Lisa and I came together and starting to put together broader workshops. We do our speaking engagements together now. Um, and so it's just, it just continues to evolve, evolve, you know, the deeper we get into this, but my true passion is just helping empower women to take control of their well-being. Mm. And I'll share when you ask the question about play, like yeah. well, how to, like the, the fun piece. So when we were thinking of the name or what I think our business coach was basically, well, there's well-being out there. How are you guys different? And so we really had to go to the drawing board of like, when we looked at our journeys, what was the one thing missing? And it was play. It was playing in the workplace. It was playing in our personal lives. It was like this, this opportunity of it's not just fun and games, but like innovation. Like I wasn't able to think outside of the box because I was so physically exhausted that I was just like checking the box off at work. I wasn't taking time to be strategic. I wasn't taking time to be like, okay, team, like let's get innovative. Let's have some fun with this. Let's think outside the box. So I think we both realized that we were missing play into our lives. And it was interesting. I think one of, I don't know who said it, but we said the word play. We were both like, play we were missing <laughs> adventure we were missing all the things that we were longing for because you know as kids we you have an imagination you have fun you think about things you hear kids they say the things sometimes and you're just like huh I wish I would be like that. I wish yeah. I like could think That's like that. Life, you know? yeah. Yes, exactly. That's my so, life. <laughs> I have three. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think we were just noticing that is like, man, like we need to bring the childhood play like back into like reality and thought process in order for people to feel better and just really enjoy life. I love that so much. How does that leave us? Like, have y'all thought about like when that part kind of fades away because it seems to for the like vast majority of adults I would say 
I think it's just part of conditioning as we grow up. We're like, you know, even, you know, I have nieces and nephews and it triggers me so much when I hear people say, be a big girl, mm. be a big boy. That's not how big girls act, mm. you know, and we start to condition kids by the way that we say things. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think over time, we take out this playfulness in life. So, you know, if your child is running around in the store and acting silly, you know, we tell them to stop. And, you know, that's not how we act in a store. You have to have manners. Or we tell our kids they can't wear the fun costume when they want to go to the store with you. We're like, no, you got to put regular clothes on. Like, I think as we grow up, we just start to take life so seriously, mm -hmm. you know, because of that. And at least to your point, like, what we realized is that people are not really teaching how to embody playfulness in our life. So when experiences come at us that we judge as being negative uh, in some way, how do we approach that and lean into that opportunity with an open mind, a growth mindset, instead of thinking, oh my God, my life is ending or you start to play victim. So we realize that nobody's really talking about play in the sense of thinking of it cognitively. Like we're not telling businesses, you need to add foosball tables and add more healthy snacks and things like that because that's a band-aid. What we're talking about is help your people get to the root cause of why they're not approaching life more playfully. Because mm -hmm. why would we not want life to be more playful? And so we're teaching all of the positive psychology concepts and like social uh, um, and emotional learning concepts and things like that within what we do to cultivate high performance, but using the science of play. And so I, I don't like everything that we read. It's like, and no adult ever says that like they play enough. Everyone's like, right. I need, to, I need more of this. It so resonates with them when they hear what we have to say. And we talk about our journeys. I took life way too seriously. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to climb the corporate ladder. I wanted to be ridiculously successful. And so in doing that, I didn't take time to do the things that Libby loved. And actually, to be honest, there was a time in therapy where my therapist was like, what do you do for fun? I could not tell her. I made up something and I know what I said. I said, I play sand volleyball in the summers. Oh, great. So that's like three months in Chicago. This is when I was living in Chicago. And I was on a league that played like once a week. So that's like not even. Soak that all in. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what I like to do for fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's really common. I think, I think a lot of people just forget. Mm -hmm. So what were some of the steps that you took to kind of find your fun and what are you doing now for fun? Yeah. So I just started, when I started this journey, I was still living in Chicago. I was still working in the corporate world. And I started to honestly, like look at different social events and things that were going on at the time. I was really deep into uh, like cooking healthier. So I did like cooking classes at Whole Foods. Yeah. You know, if somebody invited me to, I'm not much of a painter, but I had never done one of those like wine and paint things. So I went and like painted and realized I don't really like painting. I'm too much a perfectionist. <laughs> like I'm not there yet. I feel that. Um, when I was traveling, I did a horse medicine journey, which is a form of therapy. And that I came back from that trip and started horseback riding lessons. And so I've just approached life of like, that looks really cool. I want to try that. And then if it's like, I don't want, I, this is not for me, I just check it off the box and, you know, kind of like, kind of let it go. But I love variety. I like trying new things. And I think I've just allowed myself to have that curiosity. Mm. Whereas before I was super closed down to that. And I just allowed myself to, to spend money on myself. Mm. Like mm. I never spent money on my personal development. 
I never spent money on these types of fun things. Like I only wanted to do it if it was going to get me to the next level of my career. And so I found ways to invest in myself, but things that were more in alignment with where I was kind of like my interests were going, which, you know, was around, you know, well-being, my health. Then it was like meditation. I became a certified meditation teacher and that has then led me into the positive psychology field and like, you know, studying coaching and NLP techniques. And I've just kind of continued to follow that. And all that stuff is fun for me because I, I really enjoy it. But it, 10 years ago, that probably wouldn't have been where I wanted to kind of spend my time. And it's kind of nerdy, but that for me is fun, you know? And that's, I think the thing to understand about play is that like everyone has their own form of play. So we're not, we teach a toolbox of things because you have to find what resonates for you. Like Lisa's not like as into meditation as I am, though it is a part of her her journey in some ways but she practices very differently for as like me i do a sitting meditation hers is like when she she gets into like a flow state when she's running mm. and that's her way like while that's an act you and me lisa <laughs> <laughs> so lisa you want to share what you do well i want to share I discover yeah, I'll, sh I'll share really quick with um just kind of the band-aid piece and you saying like investing in yourself libby i think when i was going through my own journey um you know how people talk about like uh retail therapy and they yeah. talk about like buying things like that i had more clothes than i knew what to do with but i realized i was spending it because it was an outlet to me not having to deal with reality of what i was really struggling with um, I was spending money on food and alcohol and going out and stuff, but like really what I've learned is like, those weren't things that I really enjoyed. What I enjoy is experiences. I, I like to invest my money elsewhere. Like I think about it all the time when I used to think if someone was to say to me, oh, to work with me as a coach, it'd be like $150 an hour. I'd been like, whoa, that's too much money, but I'm going to go spend it at the bar. Mm -hmm. And what I learned is that my priorities were really wrong, not, not, I mean, wrong for me, everybody has their own choices, but what I learned is that I had to learn what I needed as a person. And that's really been helpful for me. So for me, play has really come in the, the aspect of experiences. So I would say for me, I'm a very fit fitness guru. I love to try everything. So, um, I make Libby go on lots of wonderful hikes and make adventures Libby. and- <laughs> She loves it. Promise you. I actually love hiking. She just <laughs> likes to storm up as fast as she can on the steepest hills ever. And I'm more of a leisurely walk. I want to, I want to do it at a, a space or a pace that's still kind of speedy, but yeah. like not at a gazelle pace. <laughs> I'm like, let's go, let's go. Uh, so I would say that I very much love anything adventurous and like kind of to the point that Libby said, like, I have to try a lot of things. I'm really big on people when they say to me, like, I don't know my purpose. I don't know my passion. I didn't either. I didn't know what I enjoyed to do. So I had to try a lot of things. Like I picked up mountain biking. I picked up like um, just a variety of different things. And then I've learned like, well, I can do that, but I don't really want to do it every day. Like, so I really had to learn for me. It's, it's more about that aspect. So for me, it's about experiences, trying new things. Um, and uh, 
completely honest when it comes to like play and stuff like it's really just taking care of myself Mm -hmm. because I was in such a bad place for so long and I didn't know it you know you don't realize how crappy you feel when you feel like crap every day until you start to take care of yourself so I sometimes find it fun and playful for me to be like oh let's try this let's see if I can make me feel better or like those types of things so um I would just say that because of my past experiences it's helped me kind of invest in myself more and I kid you not I'm going to share this from a personal standpoint, but also like as a workshop standpoint, like, um, I was never a person who would just like dance, you know, like be a free, free flowing person. You're in good company. (laughs) We talk about this all the time. We hate it, (laughs) but, but I will share in our workshops, we make everybody dance and it is the number one thing that we get feedback on as their favorite part because really really, like I'm not even kidding you for one minute one mind all the content we put together for you for the other 59 minutes remember (laughs) dancing they just remember the dancing yeah so basically everybody loves the dancing part of it and it really shifts their mindset to think a little bit differently um and that's something that I use in my personal life so I dance with my dog in my kitchen and it's very little in my like I don't have to think a lot about it but it gets me into a new mood and to shift my mindset. So I would say that that's one of the things that I've added into my life because I'll be honest, I've been silly and weird my whole life. Let's be honest, but I miss that. I was not childhood. I miss my, my, I was like that as a kid. Mm-hmm. I was not like that as a junior and senior in high school, my college years, I was a lot more like by the book, I got to get successful. And I, I realized that I was missing out on a part of me that has been longing to be out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this like free flowing, like who cares what everybody thinks like type of thing. And I think that in this one minute of dancing type of style, I've brought the play back that I've been missing only because I've like finally realized like I needed that for my own mental well-being. And it might sound so simple, but I think so many times we don't realize how simple it can actually be. Mm. Yeah. And I think the other thing too, like outside of activities, like emotionally, when we think about our mindset, when it comes to the concept of play, Lisa, as you were talking, I wrote a couple of things down of just, you know, as entrepreneurs and building a business and especially starting this business right before a pandemic hit, like we have had to pivot so much. And so we have had to learn the power of controlling the mind in some of the most stressful situations. Like I was even thinking of like a year ago, we were working with a partner and um, it was like everything could have gone wrong with this partner that was providing a service to us. And we were just like, what is going on? And instead of getting like pissed about it or lashing out at them, we just had to sit back and kind of say, okay, there is a higher purpose and a reason that this is all happening. We have no idea what that is right now, but how are we going to approach this calmly in a non-stressful way and just kind of allow this to play itself out? And what happened during that time is we ended up changing our business model a little bit and we're starting to change up and talk about new services. And so in this person kind of, you know, causing massive delays for us in the project we were working on, it actually worked out because we start, we're starting to shift our model, but we didn't see that in the moment. And so I would just also add that, like, when we think about embodying playfulness, it really is all about the mindset mm-hmm. of consciously choosing to approach life playfully whatever that means for you, you know, like 
for me, this specifically right now, I'm thinking that we had to remind ourselves in that situation that there was a higher purpose that all of this was evolving, even though we wanted to lash out at somebody. Mm-hmm. And we chose not to. We chose to be like, okay, what's going to happen next? And it was kind of like a roller coaster adventure of like, where is this taking us? Who are we going to meet? What is this going to mean? How is this going to change? Maybe something we're working on. And it just requires so much trust. Mm-hmm. But I think that that the mindset piece is a is a huge piece on top of like all of the physical activities and things like that that we were talking about all the tools that you could do to support you. You know, we have to really be aware and practice mindfulness and knowing where we're at to evaluate. Okay, am I showing up playfully, or could I do a little bit better here? Am I showing up in the kindest way, or could I be a little bit kinder? Like really consciously being honest with ourselves and evaluating that. When you guys were on, <laughs> say that again, Cal. Sorry, I just said, yeah, that's hard work. It's <laughs> yeah, hard work yeah. to, to to ask that of yourself. Go ahead. And constant hard work, like daily yeah. hard work. Um, so when you guys were on this wellness path individually, and you guys met up, did you guys find that you used very similar tools to each other to help kind of get you out of the exhaustion burnout spiral, or did you come together and and have different things you brought to the table and then kind of combined it to make what you guys teach now? Um, I would say in the most beautiful way, Libby and I are very different. Mm-hmm. Um, we are very similar. We get it all the time. You guys look like sisters. Are you, you twins? Do. We get, we get that all the time. So that's great. And we have very like how we're outgoing and how we're speaking, but we bring very different things to the table. And I think that that's the most beautiful thing. So Libby shared earlier about meditation, mindfulness, yeah, was not practicing that very well when we met. And I would say that because of Libby, I do a lot more of that because I've seen it in her life, how it's transformed her. So I've implemented that into my life and then vice versa. Like I've also brought a lot to the table of like how I practice certain things. I would also share that we both were, we were both practicing like gratitude and specific, specific tools, but how we were doing that was different. And so we were able to combine it, look at it. And then we were also able to look at reality for people reality of moms reality of dads reality of people that like they don't have two hours to do xyz so how do we meet them where they're at i think that's the biggest thing that libby and i are about is meeting people where they're at and helping them personalize it for themselves because it's not a one size fits all Mm -hmm. um so to answer your question i would say that we were we came at a very different um different ways but it's honestly the best fit um in so many ways and also like we have our off days no one's perfect. And so like when Libby just, you know, has a lot going on, I'm able to take over control of things, vice versa. Like she does a lot as well when I have my busy days. And so I think that the team, the team aspect has been um, a breath of fresh air for me, um, but finding the right partner was, you know, a journey. So we get it. Yeah. <laughs> we totally get it. We totally get that. I feel like we're like mirrors right now. Yeah, I could have. Like, you could have asked me the same question, and that would have been my exact answer. The exact that. same answer. That. <laughs> the exact same answer. So, can you talk to us a little bit about how the pillars of play came to be? Yeah. To <laughs> Go ahead, Libby. How did it come to be? Well. Honestly, we were just sitting one day and we were like, okay, so like, how are we going to help people embody a playful mindset? Like, what's our secret sauce? Like what, what for us are kind of like the core ingredients to focus on in order to embody, um, 
playfulness in your life. And so we just started really honestly thinking about our own lives, going back to some of the research that we were aware of and knew about. And that's how we came up with Mimosa. So Mimosa, um, like the first pillar is focusing on our mindset and specifically a positive mindset. The I is um, about uh, invent, uh, body and inventor mentality. Like how do we show up as like um, creators in our life, but also think outside the box, not just kind of follow the status quo. Um, and motivation, like do we understand what motivates us and what's our why, do we connect to our sense of purpose? So it was about openness and being open-minded to an infinite amount of possibilities. Uh, S is about using our superpowers, so our strengths. So a lot of the research shows that if we spend more time focusing on like our superpowers or our strengths, we'll be much more satisfied and fulfilled in life versus just constantly trying to develop and focus on our weaknesses. And then A is all about awareness. Like you can't do any of this stuff without um, cultivating a level of awareness um, uh, within just the present moment and like obviously where you're at. So that's what the the framework is in and of itself. And so in our workshops, um, and when we speak, we're talking about this framework and, you know, teaching typically tools and techniques that align to any of those to support somebody on their journey. Mm. So that is all encompassing. I feel it's like. so genius. Y'all yeah. are like on it. I love it. <laughs> who doesn't like a mimosa too? Exactly. Oh, no. People exactly. laugh. We were like, is this appropriate for the business? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but one of our keynotes we call, you had me at mimosa. Yeah. And so like, it's like, people are like, ooh, that's catching. It's, that? and it's yes. kind of risky, right? Like teaching play in the it workplace is. is risky, which is why we loved it. Cause it's a huge differentiator. Like we were just using the word well-being. Mm-hmm. well being. Well, everyone says to some level, like when you're in this space that they're teaching well-being yeah. nowadays. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of why we liked it. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's, it's so perfect. You talked about the risks. So what are some of the things that you guys do come up against that were maybe what your message is met with like a little bit of, I don't know the right word, but like hesitation, resistance, maybe a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's, I still think, um, I mean, obviously when it comes to mental health, mental well-being, there's still that stigma. For sure. I think that also one thing we're learning is a lot of people still don't know what well-being actually is. What does that mean? Um, and that's in the professional standpoint. It's the word of the media, of the buzz, it's the buzzword. But a lot of people still don't know what that means. Just like I always use this example of diversity and inclusion. That for a long time was not something that, you know, when I worked in corporate, it was just getting started. It was just starting to be like, we need to start doing DNI. And I feel like that's where well-being is. So I would say that there's um, still this like part that people just don't know what to do. So they're just not doing anything or they're doing very much the how. I'm sorry, they're doing more of the what. So like getting their people apps to use, which is great starting point, but they're not teaching the how they're not teaching them how to use things. And I think that that, what that is very different. Um, that makes us a little bit different as we teach the how we teach you tools. Um, and then I would say when it comes to play, still people think of play as fun and games, we get compared to team building activities a lot versus how to embody a play mindset within the workplace and understanding that foosballs tables and stuff are uh, yes a form of play but those are band-aids to the real work that needs to be done to help people with physical and mental well-being so what is a play mindset 
a play mindset. Uh, it's really just like, I mean, basically it's incorporating all of the mimosa pieces into it. It's okay. like having that active mind of how do you incorporate and uh, have a different mindset of, you know, adding innovation into your life. Um, utilizing your strengths and being more aware. So a playful mindset is really looking at something in your life and coming at it at a different angle than what maybe you have in the past or checking the box off and saying, I did it. Uh, but it's how do you look at something a little bit different and um, add that innovation into it, add your strengths into it versus doing the status quo of what we've always been conditioned to do. I would say just to add to that, like one of the other things is a way to evaluate, am I embodying this right now is how do you feel during mm -hmm. the experience and after, right? So if, it, if something is causing you more stress, if you're feeling more mental exhaustion or physical exhaustion, because stress can, you know, causes physical exhaustion, you know, you're probably not showing up as some, like with a playful mindset, because if you're showing up playfully, you feel lighter, you feel more joyful, you feel more blissful. So it's looking at the results of decisions that you've made based on the experiences that you're having to really evaluate how am I embodying that? Am I embodying this playful mindset? Because embodying playfulness should make you feel good. Mm -hmm. You should have a more positive outlook on life mm -hmm. conceptually, you know, when you're embodying that. The other thing I wanted to add to just back to your question, um, Leanne, about um, some of the challenges, you know, I think one of the things is that we still do a lot of education around connecting the dots between well-being and, and the ROI. So like the organization's investment in it. And I think what companies where there's still an opportunity for education and for people to understand is that well-being directly correlates to productivity. It is not about yeah. the quantity of work. It is about the quality of your work. And if you feel like, so, can we swear? Yeah, <laughs> you can say whatever you want here. <laughs> you feel like shit, that will impact your productivity. So the ROI, yeah. like, yeah, by looking at when you start to make these types of investments and you're weaving this type of education into the DNA of your culture, you're not just hiring somebody to come in once. You look at, okay, are people taking less sick days? What are our engagement surveys saying? You know, where are we at in tracking towards meeting goals? If you have some type of a formula or a benchmark, you know, survey to evaluate goals and productivity in that way, those are some examples of things to look at. Claims within you know, healthcare, health insurance usage. You know, there are a lot of companies um, that are starting to measure these things when they start to make these investments and they're realizing significant gains because they've started to invest in employee well-being giving them resources like this to care for themselves, giving them education about mental health. Most people don't realize they're suffering mm. and that they need help and that the way that they're showing up has been normalized, but there's nothing normal about waking up and not wanting to get out of bed. Yeah. Like we've yeah. normalized that, but that is not okay. Like our birthright is vibrant health. And mm. so I feel like there's, we're still working up against that and finding more companies that want us to help educate them in that way instead of people coming to us and saying we understand and we're ready to invest because we believe that this can really help our people or because we put our people first and they have to feel good yeah. to show up and perform at work and i'll share one piece that you just brought up that libby libby that came to mind was also a lot of people look internally for their like hey leaders do something for well-being for your group 
And a lot of leaders still don't know what that means. So they're throwing something together and versus working with the experts. Um, I remember when I worked in corporate, the corporate world, internally, we would try to use internal resources. We would try to just pull someone to do an additional stuff on their job, but they weren't the experts at it. And so what we were doing was creating probably more friction um, because also psychological safety, like you think about that too, like there's still that stigma. So people are still scared to share certain things. So I think that that's another thing too, is like for people in education to understand that bringing an out, um, a resource from outside isn't a bad thing. It's actually more beneficial for not only the um, the thoughts of your team because they're not the experts. They're literally now having to go to Google. Yeah. And adding more work to their and adding more work to their thing. And maybe they don't even want to do it. Maybe they just need to partner. So it's also like understanding that yes, it might cost you a little bit of money, but the reward long-term is going to be um, back to that employee and customer experience that UIXY um, and totally affecting your bottom line in a better way. Mm. I spend all day trying to get that message across. I do personal training and it's very, it's hard because it's, it's counterintuitive. People think, okay, you're telling me to work out three times a week. Well, that's three hours out of my work week that I could be doing my work and getting ahead, but it's what you're doing during those hours. If you're, if you don't have a healthy outlet or you do feel like shit and you're not eating healthy, then you're not working at the same level that you could be, or you're trying to cope with the shit that you're feeling. So you're scrolling through Instagram or you're buying things on Amazon and you're taking that time out anyways, but people don't, you know, it's kind of like you said, you didn't know you felt like crap until you were out of it. People don't realize how much they're spinning their wheels until they, they put themselves out there and try something different and maybe take a different approach, but it is a hard message to get across because Mm -hmm. just from this, the, the analytics of time itself. It's like, it it doesn't make sense to take this time away, but it's not about the time. It's about how the time's spent, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think to your point, we always have a choice. Mm -hmm. You know, people say to us, we don't have time to do this stuff. I don't have time to meditate. Well, I didn't either at one point, Mm -hmm. but I realized that 10 minutes a day was helping. And research is showing like a minimum of three minutes a day could still have massive benefits. It's better than nothing. And one of the things that we've built into a lot of our stuff is, okay, what can people do in five minutes or less? Mm-hmm. You will not experience well-being in five minutes. However, five minutes of practicing breathing could totally pull you out of um, a really stressful conversation that you just came from where your mind is now de- de- like or catastrophizing mm-hmm. could pull you out of that, right? And so how can we you know, build five mindful moments um, into our day, maybe three times. Mm. And to your point, like, yeah, so like an hour a day might seem like a lot, but when people start to see how they feel, they start to experience those benefits. They want more of it. Yeah. And even if you're like, well, 20 minutes is better than nothing. If you can get 20 minutes in and not the full hour, like do that, like that's still something, but we have a choice. Mm-hmm. You know, look at like you have, I don't know if you guys use that screen time um, feature. I'm afraid on your of iPhone. it. <laughs> So me too. I don't want to face it. (laughs) What if we took 30 minutes out of social media every day to do yoga, go for a walk, like do like something we enjoy. Like we always have a choice and saying, I don't have time. I'm, you know, sorry for anybody out there that might be offended by this, but that's a victim mindset. It's a cop out for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
it's funny that you say that because I've always told myself I'm not a morning person. I would press snooze and snooze and snooze and give myself 20 minutes to get out the door. And when COVID hit, I had a lot more time. And so I started making sure I got up at the same time every day and um, started to meditate. And I, it was at the same time that um, Cal knows I was reading that Wim Hof method book and yeah. he does all those breathing techniques. So I, I wake yeah. up and I would meditate and then I would do the Wim Hof breathing and then my schedule picked up. So but it didn't matter. I, it made such a difference in my day that I now wake up an hour earlier. So I have a chance to do my meditation, do my breathing, then sit down, have a cup of coffee. I have a very chill morning and it has changed my entire day. Entire. Yeah. Day. Because now, you know, that was something and that made you feel good. Mm -hmm. And once we get a taste of what makes us feel good, we don't want to go back. And I will tell you, I will never go back to old right. Libby. Never, ever. Because how I feel now I have done a 180 and that is my motivation to keep going. Mm. I never want to feel like that again. And it's interesting because if you look at photos from Libby and I, when we were in our early twenties, the inflammation in our faces mm -hmm. is absurd. Really? Like we look so different and it's, I wouldn't say, I mean, we've obviously changed Same. our diet, <laughs> but mentally all the things like has totally affected my physical appearance too. And I know a lot of people like, don't realize that until they're on the journey, but looking back at photos, I'm like, wow, <laughs> in a good way. Yeah. It's like, and to tell point, me like, about yeah. it, girl. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Cal has been aging backwards for the last 10 years. I, yeah. I was like a totally different person. Like I look at that picture and I'm just, I, it makes me sad that it's just like, but I didn't realize it at the time because people were still saying oh you're thin you're doing all this stuff but like I look back and all I see is the inflammation <laughs> and it's literally but a lot of it was mind stuff you mm -hmm. know and and for me anyways and it, yep. it the body keeps the score for sure yep so totally. what did you do Cal then to kind of see the changes in yourself physically I mean, I'm still actively working at it, right? I'm in the middle of a Hashimoto's flare up myself. So like, I understand, you know, work, work got busy and I put my priorities to the wayside. Um, but a big thing for me, especially in the last two years was, was time blocking and living my values. So I really had to get real with what I wanted out of my life and what I wanted to do. And then I had to put it into my calendar. And that meant saying goodbye to a whole lot of stuff and saying yes to the stuff that brought me joy, made me feel alive, the fun for me. So I do, I have to block out time to draw. I have to block out time to, you know, just sit and be, to have my cup of coffee in silence or with my husband or whatever. And that really started the shift. And then my work changed because I was putting more of that quality time into my work. Um, we were able to grow this thing on steroids that we weren't even planning to do, you know, but the right mm -hmm. mindset and the good health will allow you to do that. And for me, it was just making my time work for me. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of yeah. like that hoarders show where someone comes in and they're like, okay, <laughs> this clearly isn't working. Like it, it's, but it's right. in your mind. It's like, you can't see it, but it's like, you've got all this crap that you're doing all day, every day. And you're just doing it because it's what you've always done, but is it yeah. serving me? And then to get rid of yeah. some of those behaviors and those thoughts, it's a, it's very anxiety producing. And so a lot of people will do it for a few days and do it for a couple of weeks and then go back, even though it's, it's, self-sabotage essentially 
Um, yeah, I lived in that cycle for the longest time and I still visit, <laughs> but I'm able to pull myself yeah. out, you know, with the right tools for yeah. sure. Well, and I'll even share when you think about like a business, not just like personal stuff, like we've had to, I mean, a lot of people have during COVID, you've had to look at things differently. You've had to like reevaluate and stuff, but Libby and I were actually just talking about this yesterday that, um, if you would like, we've reevaluated and had to have some really tough conversations between the two of us about like, okay, does this feel right in the business? If not, what are we going to do? How are we going to change it? Et cetera, et cetera. And I think that if you would have asked us this five years ago, if we would have been working together, we probably wouldn't have spoken up as much to each other. We probably wouldn't have pivoted or reevaluated. How does this feel? Is this the right mindset? Because when you're like in a bad well-being spot, you know, you're just checking the boxes off and you're like, I just got to get through this. I just got to get through this. And now I feel like um, we both reevaluate our personal and professional lives basically almost weekly, monthly. <laughs> like we've had more conversations this last year than we ever have, but in a beautiful way. Mm, like it's yeah. like, once you start to take care of yourself, you're like, I know what the lifestyle I want to live. I got to be real. I got to be honest with myself and I got to keep reaching for that next level. Mm-hmm. I love that you said, how do we feel about this? Cause I think too, when you become a lot more clear headed and you're feeling better physically and mentally, you can learn to trust your gut feelings. Whereas a lot of times people will have a certain gut feeling and maybe talk themselves out of it. And then it maybe doesn't go the way it planned. And then they don't think that they can trust their feelings, but they're not Mm -hmm. even really making their decisions off of how they're feeling. It's just all logic and overthinking. Absolutely. I think we've been conditioned too to not follow our intuition, Mm -hmm. not follow our gut. You know, I could, I mean, we, you know, enjoyed working with the business coach that we did, but there were also things that he would tell us that we should do that we were like, that doesn't really resonate with us. Like, that doesn't feel good to us. And so we had to make decisions against the advice that that person was providing. Um, And we have even, you know, moving forward as like we network with people, they're like, you guys should do this, this and this. And we've had people come to us and, you know, give us opportunities to partner. And some of them seem amazing. And then we're like, this doesn't feel good. Like there's something, there's something. (laughs) I'm just like, yes, yes, yes. I've got goosebumps. (laughs) Yes, we understand that. And I wish. But don't you feel like it's brought you all closer? I don't mean to cut you off. Oh my gosh. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And we're so much more aligned. Yeah. Yeah. Like what we've both become more comfortable of just saying, this doesn't resonate with me. This, like, even I've recently said, like, teaching this this way, like, I need to go deeper. Like, we need to teach this differently. We need to organize this differently. And that's because we're evolving too as we continue to do the work on ourselves. But that's something I'm really passionate about is specifically helping women reconnect with their intuition and make decisions from there. Not to say logic doesn't serve a purpose because it does, but to learning how to pay attention to that and know how that shows up for you because it mm-hmm. is different for people and having the courage to follow that. Because mm. so many times where we, it's like we know the gut feeling and then how many times you make the other decision, you're like, dang it, I had a feeling I should have done it that way and then you didn't follow it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do that all the time still. And then the universe yeah. is like, here's another opportunity to try since you messed <laughs> exactly. up the last <laughs> 
thank you for redirecting me and going yes. the opposite way. Yes. Now. <laughs> and even too, I, I think one thing that we've both learned with when it comes to well-being is like, okay, like anybody that knows me knows I'm a get shit done girl. And Libby's the exact same way. We're very much like, let's get this done. One thing that I feel like we've learned through our well-being process is we don't have to get it done right away. Mm-hmm. It's sitting on it. It's meditating on it. It's feeling into things. It's, it's not always having to make a decision right away because the universe is going to guide you to what you need to hear, but you have to sit on it in order to hear it. And I think that that for me has been the biggest thing this last year is surrendering, trusting my intuition. Like Libby said, what we just love to teach other people and like realizing like, okay, if I'm in a slump, what have I done an adventure? Have I done what brings me joy? Like, am I happy? Like all of the things and reevaluating and, you know, anybody probably that would sit on me and Libby's like phone calls when we chat, it's personal and professional all wrapped into one, because when you're a partner with someone like you are literally together all the time, like you work lives. Yeah, literally. <laughs> we're so even nice. asked us if we live together. We're all like, no, we need no. some person. We need like, some, <laughs> just a little bit, just a little bit. but it's like it's so interesting how like the more that I even evolve in it and the more I teach in these things and get deeper how like you let go and you realize like wow like there's this there's all these opportunities out there but I gotta sit and it's okay Mm -hmm. and it's okay Mm -hmm. and I think for a long time I was like it's not okay like I gotta I gotta do I gotta do and now it's like nope it's been pretty beautiful I would say Yeah, that patience in the journey is like everything, <laughs> especially when you have the alignment. Yeah. 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 It's been at the top of our discussions quite a bit lately. I feel like we need to take that clip and just play it at the beginning of every meeting. I know. It's just going to be the loop. And then we'll dance for a minute and then we'll move on. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, there we go. I'm so curious, though, because you said you guys are very different. So do you find that when you're coming up against a difficult decision, do you guys align pretty quickly right away? Or do you guys kind of have different views and have to talk it out for a while before? you figure out a direction? I think it's more different gifts that we bring to the table, different interests. Like I'm more into research and reading out and nerding out and all that type of stuff. Lisa's more like, give me the cliff notes (laughs) of it. (laughs) We've got some apps for you, Lisa. (laughs) (laughs) Lisa loves spreadsheets. She's super organized. We have a spreadsheet for everything and updating them. And And I love it. (laughs) I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I'm over here like, Kala, can you resend me the Zoom link, please? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I think in that way, it's like so beautiful because like we complement each other in so many ways. And like Lisa's very outgoing and vibrant. And like when we were practicing for one of our business pitches, the business coach was like, you guys are at totally different inflections. Libby, you need to pump it up a little bit. And here I am thinking that like I'm coming across in the same way that she was, but Lisa was like, you know, at a whole nother level and I'm yeah. trying to meet her there. And it's just like, that's just not who I am. Okay. Yeah. Gotta, gotta embrace and embody who I am. And like, yeah. so Lisa usually starts off our keynotes because she has that energy and enthusiasm. And I usually do the middle and then she's a really good closer. So she's always closing. That's so perfect. we're finding ways to, Oh play. yeah, we so find it. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, when we have to talk about research, I don't talk about the research that is Libby's, Lisa's you know, quiet. And it, yeah, I'm quiet. I'm like, Oh, this is fascinating. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm hearing this for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> no. And I think that that's been the really cool thing about like, 
trusting each other. Um, and we obviously, when you ever do anything, you practice and all those things, but we've kind of just like felt into who we are as people and play off of each other super well. Mm-hmm. And sometimes like, yes, it might be a little bit planned, but most of the time it's not planned. Um, but back to your point about skill sets and stuff, I think that that's the best thing is like coming back to the trust aspect and knowing like, well, Libby's going to handle that way better than I'm going to handle it. She should probably go to this meeting Mm -hmm. because how she's going to handle that person. Um, Vice versa. I think that we've done a pretty good job of that. And just like to like, um, things have just evolved. Like we've just like been able to like, when we get a new client, we don't both need to be there. You know, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. It really just depends on it. Um, But I will say, like, I say this all the time, like it is really fun to have someone as your partner um through everything because to your guys's point like when we were saying like making hard decisions are or if you're struggling you can talk to someone about that you can say like okay I don't have the energy for this today can you manage this mm-hmm. and it's like yes Cal you know <laughs> you know like it's that's a weekly discussion too <laughs> daily I'd say daily yeah yes and it's and it's actually super nice because you don't realize how lonely entrepreneurship is 100%. until you find a partner and you're like thank you for just understanding me and thank you for being there for me um so to all the entrepreneurs out there just know like that like we've all like we've all felt the loneliness of it but it's like finding your partner if you can you know to really find that the integration has been really beneficial for us yeah collaboration is key yeah so I was just gonna say that is like we have had to learn each other's like you know the different behaviors like you know we're not good at like we never hide anything or lie like you can read it on our faces like mm-hmm. if we don't like and someone's idea it's like okay Lisa doesn't like that so yeah, like, I'm very I'm very obvious like, with mine it's terrible we've had to have like we've already said this so many honest conversations like this is how I work this is how I operate this doesn't resonate with me like I don't want to work with this client or you know I don't think this is a good partnership for us and I think that we hear from other people who it's like maybe at least two co-founders and not everyone has a successful partnership. And so we feel so lucky to have found each other. And it feels very synchronistic that we've only known each other for three years. However, I feel like Lisa knows me better than most people I've known my whole life because building a business has forced us to have really honest conversations because we're co-creating something. Mm And I think that's really beautiful that like we can come to each other um, with things like there might be some fear and like, oh my gosh, how am I going to approach this? How am I going to say this? But being able to speak and to feel like you're not being judged and bringing something up, I feel like we both like it's really important for us to create the space and the psychological safety for both of us to want to bring anything up. Anything is fair game, whether it's personal or professional. And so I'm sure you both have experienced that as well, that like it requires like in any relationship, like a depth of revealing who you are and a depth to sharing what's coming up for you when you're co-creating something. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Go ahead, Leanne. (laughs) Well, I I would just say it's so funny you brought that up because I mean, talk about gratitude. There there are some of my closest friends that I I couldn't travel with, but like with Cal, like we're basically raising a a baby (laughs) together. And try to figure all that out and, and try to maintain the, like, get work done, be productive, be professional, but also, like, tell me about the worst thing that happened to you this week. Like, it's it's a tough, 
but beautiful like balance. And um, yeah. I, I do, I feel so lucky because I, I don't think partnerships like this are very common. Yeah. No, it doesn't feel like a common thing. I mean, we started out as friends, obviously, but it's like a full blown like sistership now, yeah. you know, like that's my sister, like <laughs> come for her, you come for me type deal, you know, <laughs> yes. and then it's like, and we're both coming together with what we have. So yeah. I don't know. It's exciting. I love it. I cherish it. And I know that you guys do too, because it translates into the work that you do. You can feel um, it too. From yeah, you can. You really can. <laughs> it's you awesome. Really can. How long have the two of you been working together? <sighs> working together like two years? Two years? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, we've, we've known each, each other for a long time. Mm -hmm. Like eight? nine. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was dating her brother. <laughs> it's actually funny. Like three of my closest friends I've met through ex-boyfriends and I'm like, Hey, if that's what I got out of this boyfriend, mm -hmm. I will take it. Like, win for me. <laughs> and this is the one I'm like, she might've gotten away, but like, she's sticking around. Yeah. Because, like I need her in my life. She's too good to let go. So sorry. <laughs> it's, awesome. it's worked out well. Um, you guys posted this great video last week about well-being and uh, well-being has a multiplier effect. And I loved the mm -hmm. message in that video. Um, can you talk a little bit about it? Because it was one, it was a message I definitely needed to hear when I stumbled across it. And I know our audience would really benefit from it too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Oh, yes, I will. This is my favorite thing. I'm the one that teaches this mostly. <laughs> <laughs> Pom poms out. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really about the like the me we us. That's what we call it. It's the multiplier effect of the me we us. So a lot of people tell us all the time, like we said earlier, I don't have time for myself. I don't, I don't, I can't do this. I can't fit this into my schedule to take care of myself. But every time we don't take care of ourselves, it has the multiplier effect of um, affecting people in a negative way. So every time you show up to a meeting and you are in a negative mindset, you are not in a good mood, et cetera, et cetera. Imagine how that projects on your team. And then once they're leaving that meeting, how that projects on those people that are closest to them, and then that how that projects into their families. So a lot of people don't understand that maybe they think of self-care or well-being or something as selfish. It's actually um, a very highly like great thing that you can do in order to serve other people. So think about it in the other way. If you are taking care of yourself and you show up to your team and you're like, let's be innovative, let's think differently. And they're like, yeah, let's do this. And then you're getting all these new ideas. They're leaving the room super pumped, super excited. Then they're going to go do that to their teams. And then they're also going home to their kids, to their husbands, to their boyfriends, you know, family. And they're projecting this new, like feeling, this new emotion, this new joy into the world. And think about that multiplier effect. Every time we take care of ourselves, it affects those closest to us and then it affects the population in our communities. And so that's why I'm really big on that. I mean, if you think about social media right now, there's so much negativity out there. There's so much that can be out there, but if you can be the game changer of saying, hey, I'm taking care of myself in this way, this is how I'm gonna help my team. And then that, that multiplier effect is going to be pretty impactful. Um, so it can be both ways. Like I always tell people, like, if you can think about that person that when you go to a meeting, you're like, oh, they're going to be in that meeting. It's only because, you know, you're going to leave that meeting in a negative mindset. But how cool would it be if you were, um, saw someone on the list, you know, like, yeah, like Leanne's going to be there because she's got this type of energy. You're already making a change in someone's life, and then they're probably going to go back and do the same thing. So that's kind of what we mean by the multiplier effect of the me, we, us. Yeah, it's just like, you know, when you're in the airplane and they're doing their safety protocol and they like tell you to put your 
oxygen mask on before you put on like your kids like it's the same concept like you have to fill up your own cup in order to be able to be of service to others and you know lisa you just said it energy is felt you can feel within seconds somebody's energy whether or not you want to be around them or not you know some people we walk into a room and you can feel the energy in the room and you're like wow an argument just took place here this feels like you know really dark heavy energy versus walking into the room and it seems so light and playful and like you want to be a part of that that's really inviting and so we have to think about like how am i how am i showing up today you know, am I going to lash out at my kids because I had a tough meeting at work or am I going to walk in the door and my kids are going to want to run up to me and give me, you know, a huge hug. And so I'm creating these opportunities to kind of, you know, share happiness, to mm -hmm. share compassion, to share empathy. Um, and so I think it's one of the things that for me, especially women and especially moms who are just like, I don't have time to take care of my care of myself. Like we want to put everyone else before ourselves. And the only way we can continue to serve others is if we feel good. Mm -hmm. Like if we're going to bed at night and our tank is like completely empty, you know, we need a tune up. We tune up our cars, we give them oil changes, some people polish their cars, you replace the brakes every once in a while, right? Like, as humans, we're operating at levels and rates and speeds that are really beyond what the body was built for physically. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be more intentional of giving ourselves these tune-ups in order to not only show up for ourselves, but to obviously show up for others. Mm. Yeah, I, we read a book recently, um, we're going to have the author on in, in the spring, but it was talking about how different emotions have actual different frequencies. Mm, and yeah. you could like measure them in Hertz. I don't know exactly how they did it, but um, something to do with brainwaves. And um, it's, it's amazing that you you can truly feel it. And then scientifically, like they do exist the different frequencies. And so yeah. People think that like being intuitive is just this like woo woo thing. Like, oh, you can feel people's feelings. Like, okay. But I feel like Damn everyone right can. I can. Yeah. <laughs> but I think everyone can. It's yeah. just a lot of people kind of put a wall up or choose not to, yeah. you know, address it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think like to your point too, we see that a lot in the workplace where managers don't want to approach and have certain conversations specifically related to like our mental health and performance. Um, because they're scared, they're not equipped to have those conversations and they don't have to be tough conversations. It could be as simple as like asking a question, like, how are you today? How are you really doing? Like, I've noticed that, you know, there's a change in the way in which you're showing up in our team meetings. Is there anything you wanted to talk about? I'm kind of starting to create that space. Um, and there was a, I'll just give you a quick example of that. Like when I was in HR, we had um, somebody who was a high performer and then all of a sudden, like over the course of several months started to um, just kind of be what we would call like a low performer. And the manager was like on the verge of wanting to fire this person. And I was like, what are you talking about? They like got their full bonus the year before, like always getting really good reviews. And I asked like, what conversations have you had? They tried to tell me they had conversations. Turns out they really hadn't. And when I sat down with the person, um, turns out they were going through fertility issues, mm. right? And so like this person didn't feel comfortable to open up to their manager about it, but like, of course that's gonna impact your mental health. So mm -hmm. if we can get to the root cause of why these things are happening and create spaces where people want to share these types of things that they're experiencing personally, that they're bringing into the workplace, like 
that's that's when you become a healing organization and that's the power of equipping people with these types of tools and that's an example too of a multiplier effect of how it can impact somebody else yeah it's beautiful it is (laughs) ah i was that i was that employee by the way that was literally my exact story only i got fired (laughs) really yes really god that's why when you say that, I'm just like, you are really doing good work because that that's work mm. that people, you know, just that one little, you know, question or insight into someone's life. Cause you know, I was at that point in my life where you want to be professional at work, you know, yeah. you don't want to bring, you know, your private life yeah. into work and, and that would have made all the difference. But yeah, that's really interesting. I'm glad that you picked up on that though, because that means you're really good at what you do. <laughs> <laughs> Well, to your point, though, a lot of people say that, like, I don't want to bring my personal stuff to the workplace. Mm-hmm. And that's, I totally agree with that. Like, you don't want to be the person that complains all the time is playing victim yeah. of personal circumstances. Like, that doesn't create a good energy. However, when you're going through something that's really impacting your performance, there should be no shame in bringing that up with a manager or HR and even talking about what are the potential accommodations? Mm-hmm. Like, is yeah. there a project I can take off of my plate? Because right now my energy needs to be focused on my family as we work through this. Like people are worried that if they bring those things up, they're going to lose their jobs. And if that's the case, why would you ever want to be working for that employer? If you have that. Yeah, it was in hindsight that I, yeah. yeah. That's where I was like, I, I meant to work for an organization for myself that can accommodate people in a new way. And that's why I really like wanted to start bringing people into what we do here at HTC and and having an environment that's like that, where, you know, mental health is the top of everything that we do. And if we can't do it, then we're going to readjust. So yeah. And she's done that full force since the beginning. That's what, if we're not, Calla said from the get-go, when she asked me to be a part of this, she said, if we're not having fun, we're not doing it. And, and that's been, how we, how we do things. If it feels right. And if it feels fun and we love it, we're going to, we're going to keep it going that direction. And it's, it, it helps it not feel like work. Like, yeah, we're busy and yeah, there's tedious things about it, but we absolutely love it. Yeah, It makes all the difference. So, so true. Mm -hmm. Can you guys tell me a little bit about your January workshop that's coming up? Yes. Oh, the women's coaching. Yes. Yeah. The women's coaching program. So we're doing um, a 12-week women's coaching um, program. So kind of just backstory for everybody. We know that um, women, women obviously are a passion for Libby and I, and bringing women together and supporting each other is super important. So this 12-week uh, program will really bring women together um, every week. So I think it's every, it was every other week correct? Sorry. Totally blinking on things right now. Every other week. Where's the spreadsheet? uh, Exactly. Where's my spreadsheet? Why is this not in front of me? Uh, To bring people together to not only have support to talk about specific questions, but to teach them tools. So we're going to be teaching people tools. And then um, the weeks that we don't meet, it's really about reflection and practicing the tools so that the following week that you come back, we can have a conversation about it. So it's about creating um, an opportunity for women to level up. I would say level up uh, to learn tools to help themselves but also know that they are not alone and that they're supported in their well-being journeys. And then, of course, can have lots of play involved in this in this program as well. That's great. Yeah, it will be. It's like meant to be small groups of women that are coming together from you know different workplaces and backgrounds. So you don't even have to be a working you know female. You yep. maybe you're a stay-at-home mom. Like it's really built for everyone because 
the concepts that we're teaching every week where which is kind of like there's a video and there's other information that comes out to kind of introduce a topic of study and focus for that week we talk about that on the live calls you go and do a reflection the next week and more content you know may or may not be coming out um, but the idea is that it's small group coaching so that you can really learn to personalize um, these tools to work for you but Two, like so many women want to meet other women that are like on the journey as well. And so it's about building community around that as well. So we're super excited. So we've typically, you know, been bringing to the world B2B products. So this will be like our first, you know, bigger B2C. And we both do coaching on the side individually, but this will be the first time that we'll be doing like group coaching together in this type of format. Yeah. So Oh, that's so exciting. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. Well, I know that every time I drink a mimosa moving forward, I'm going to think of you. <laughs> yes. Please do. Please do. Maybe we can start serving mimosas in our workshop. Yeah, I, I think that's a that. necessity. <laughs> uh, where can people find you and get plugged in? Yeah, so they can follow us on YouTube. It's called the Lisa and Lib channel. So check us out, um, bluewavewellbeing.com. So it's blue with no E, uh, wellbeing.com, as well as we are on LinkedIn, Facebook, and uh, Instagram as well. We are not on TikTok. Talk to Libby about that. It's fine. Um, no, I'm just kidding with you. <laughs> we can't keep up either. It's okay. <laughs> it's like, and we don't need another platform. We yeah, exactly. We totally so that's where people can find us. Awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you all so much for coming and hanging out with us today. Yes, We're excited thank you. to see you guys grow and, and just help a lot of women. We know that you will. So thank you for being here. Yes, thank you so much. We appreciate it. This was of great. Course. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, we invite you to come be a part of the HDC community. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching at Have the Combo. For information on all of our shows, guests, and more, visit htcpod.com. While you're there, be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Talk soon.